0: This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley. A glimmer of hope. Those words describe the news that there may be a vaccine in our future to combat COVID-19. If future studies go well, this vaccine could be available to the public as early as January. Today, our guest is an expert, that is, he is a journalist who has studied and written extensively on the subject of vaccines. Josh Nathan-Kazis is the health reporter for Barron's Magazine. His most recent story in Barron's is called, Moderna's Coronavirus Vaccine Appears to Work in Early Trials. What Comes Next? And Josh, thanks for making the time to, to talk to us about your reporting, what you've learned, and what may be in the offing. So, let me start with, uh, first, thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me. Enjoy. Happy to be here.
0: So since your your story first appeared, I wanted to ask, has there been any, been any additional breaking news on the vaccine front?
1: Yeah, you know, this is a fast-moving story, and there is um, small developments every day. Today, actually, there was a rather big one. A company called AstraZeneca, a, a British company, announced that they had received a commitment of about a billion dollars from the U.S. federal government to help develop a vaccine that was actually discovered um, in a lab at Oxford University. Um, this is a, a, a sort of new technology, they're hoping it works, there's no human data yet, but there are now plans to to manufacture up to a billion doses over the next uh, year or so, and are commitments to de- deliver a few hundred thousand of those doses to the U.S. Um, by the beginning of next year. So now
0: your initial story was about the company Moderna. Tell me about them.
1: So Moderna is a, is a biotech company based in Cambridge. Um, and they work on a, on a really interesting area of um, science. It's sort of cutting-edge stuff. And it involves taking um, what's called messenger RNA. These are uh, molecules that are in our cells. Um, they're the stuff that kind of takes the instructions sort of from the, 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 from the DNA, the kind of blueprints, uh, and, and carries it over to the protein factories inside the cells. Um, and what Moderna does is they make their own messenger RNA, you know, outside of the body, and they encode for um, certain proteins that they then get your body to make. And this has all sorts of implications. Um, there's therapeutic approaches, vaccines, and, and they've worked very quickly um, over the last few months to develop a messenger RNA-based uh, coronavirus vaccine. Now, what's important to note, among other things, is that Moderna has no approved products right now. The FDA has never um, approved any Moderna drugs. They're, they're not at that stage yet. Um, and in fact, in the world, there are no approved uh, messenger RNA-based drugs. It's a relatively new technology. Now, this is sort of a test on the grandest scale. And Moderna was the first um, experimental coronavirus vaccine to get into humans. And now we have the first data um, on, on the very early stages of their first trial. And what we know is not that much. They've given it to something like 40 people. Um, and on the samples that they've looked most closely at, that's around uh, eight of the people, it looks like the, the drug was able to cause the creation of sort of a similar level of antibodies that are created in people who, um, or that, that exist in people who have recovered from uh, a COVID-19 infection. That, that that might mean it works. It might mean it doesn't work, but it's a promising, very, very early sign.
0: Are the people who were taking this drug in this initial trial, these eight folks, are they the same eight people that those of us in Atlanta have been hearing about who volunteered for a study at Emory University, or is this a completely different group of people?
1: You know, I'm not familiar with that. I, I think that this eight number might be a bit misleading. It's, it's just the number of you know, of the forty, it's the ones that have sort of been through the the testing. Um, what I do know is that um, I'm sorry, sort of the sample has been sort of fully processed. This study is actually interestingly not being run by Moderna itself; it's being run by um, a part of the National Institutes National Institutes of Health. Um, and I honestly uh, don't know where those. The study locations are. I'm sorry.
0: That's quite all right. But still, this is really big news because everyone, quite honestly, is very concerned. And we know that before people can begin to resume what will be their lives, many are concerned about being able to take a vaccine.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there there's no guarantee there ever will be a vaccine for for coronavirus. Uh, Vaccines are hard to make. Uh, vaccine development is challenging. You know, on average, it takes about 10 years for a new vaccine to be approved. And the the timelines we're looking at here are dramatically compressed, you know, world historically compressed. Um, That said, there's a lot of uh, optimism among the vaccine developers and among scientists that this incredible sort of global effort will result in one or more functional vaccines. You know, the reason a vaccine is good is that uh, if you have it, if you give it enough people, it really makes it a lot harder for the virus to move around in a community um you know right now, the problem with an emerging virus, a virus that sort of appears in the world for the first time, is that you know nobody has immune defenses to it um, you know there's lots of ways for people to get immune defenses. One is to contract the virus and then recover, and then notionally your body will protect you um, in the future and the other way is to get a vaccine and and what we're trying to do is to give. To get it, or what what scientists are trying to do, in governments and, and and drug companies, is come up vaccine to sort of help make it a lot harder for for the virus to, to move around from person to person around the world. Um, and, and and you know we we've seen um, that this this is an incredibly contagious and and dangerous virus. And you know early thoughts in some sectors that you could just sort of let it move through the community and then let people to build up their own antibody defenses and just kind of let it burn out like that, that seems to not be working. Um, uh, the experiences in, in the UK, for example, have shown that that's sort of moved away from that strategy quite quickly. Um, so a vaccine is really the best hope to get us to a place where we can begin to resume our normal lives. Um, you know, we'll probably need to try to, to, to be in before a vaccine is ready, um, but it'll allow us to really kind of let down the guards more fully that we've brought up and and put up so dramatically over the last few months.
0: Josh, this is a crisis unlike any we've seen in our lifetimes. Is this race among the pharmaceutical companies to be the first with a working vaccine typical in the way these products are developed?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, look, uh, this is not typical. As you say, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes, and this is not typical in any way. Um, it, it is the case that, you know, when you, you'll often see in the course of drug development, you know, two or three companies racing to have the first um, drug for a particular illness, a particular indication, a particular form of cancer. That's generally how biotech and, and, and the pharmaceutical industry works. So you want to have your drug there first, so it gets prescribed first, so other drugs have to prove they're better than it in order to, you know, get FDA approval. Um, so that, that's not so unusual. What's unusual here is a number of things. First of all, you know, most of the scientists and drug developers involved, involved um, believe that we will need more than one functional vaccine um, to actually control this. Now that's because even if you can make a billion doses, say of the Moderna vaccine in a year, um, it might be the case that people need two doses before they're fully protected. So that's 500 million people. Um, you know, There are eight billion people in the world no one says that every single one of them will need a vaccine, but it's quite possible that many or most of them will need a vaccine. And, um, you know, to get to enough material to to vaccinate six, seven, eight billion people um, is really beyond the capacity of any one company. And, you know, you start having concern to, uh, concerns about supply chain and supply and the materials you need for a particular vaccine. And maybe that one vaccine is better in some people. You know, older people say and it's, another vaccine is better than younger people. Um, so, so in that sense, this is not normal in that all of the companies involved think that there needs to be more than one um, uh, functional vaccine uh, to really tackle this issue. Although I will say, and this is sort of an interesting thing, at this point, the companies that want to move quickly, one thing they're worried about is having enough people to test it in. I mean, they'll need 10, 20, 30,000 people to um be given the drug in a phase 3 trial uh, really before the the regulators are, are ready to say okay you can give this out um, you, you can use sort of fewer people if you uh, able are able to give the vaccine um, or run the trials in a place where there's a very intense outbreak um, but for if if vaccine proves you know, in the fall or early next year, uh, might be very challenging to recruit patients, and it might be ethically challenging to recruit patients in the midst of a pandemic um, for an experimental vaccine when another vaccine has been proven to have an effect. So, so there is sort of a race there. Um, I think that some of the companies believe that if, you know, say, the Pfizer vaccine is one is one example, if it works and is approved in October, is there aiming for that actually might make it a little bit harder for a company like Johnson and Johnson which is working on a, another vaccine a slightly slower timeline or Sanofi and Laxosmith which are working on their own uh, partnered vaccine a little bit later there's it, it I think a concern they might have trouble um, recruiting enough people for their trial so so there is a bit of I'm not sure if competition is the right word but there is a bit of competition there um, but it is you know as you say different from, normal circumstances in that um, uh, you know it's not as though there's a market that various companies want to grab that uh, you know others others uh, that are also trying to
0: grab. Josh, when flu season happens every year, we report that that we've been told that a certain strain of the flu is going to be prevalent. People are encouraged to get a flu vaccine. People are also warned that it might not be as effective against the strain of flu that has been predicted. Do we anticipate similar guidelines for a coronavirus vaccine once there is something on the market?
1: Yeah, so I think we we don't know because, you know, there's only a little bit of data on one vaccine right now. We don't know how protective these vaccines are going to be. I think it's certainly possible that you'll get a vaccine that in the population, you know, does not protect you 100%. Um, I think that, like, uh, you know, we can all hope that the vaccine protects you 100%, but, you know, I think that's probably not realistic. It could be something like 50%. It could be more. It could be less. But people are still going to be encouraged to get it, even if it doesn't protect the individual you know, entirely, because the goal here is really, you know, it's a population level approach. You know, if you make it so that half the, say it's a 50% effective vaccine, you know, half the number, half the times an individual is exposed to the virus, they don't get it. Whereas without the vaccine, they would have gotten it. Um, that means that the virus is moving, you know, half as quickly through the population. And that makes it much more easy to control. So so I think it would be great if we get a vaccine that's 100% protective. We probably won't, but that's okay. Um, the, the goal is really on a population level to make it harder for the coronavirus to move around. Um, and, 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 you know, that will help. Obviously, it'll change the calculus a bit, I think, if, if they find that the vaccine is 50% or 40% effective. It might change. You know, how many people are, are suggested to get it, who who and how it's rolled out. But those are decisions that I think will have to be made after um, we know a bit more about how these experimental vaccines are functioning in, in
0: people. More than five million cases globally, 1.5 million cases here in the United States. We've lost, uh, gosh, nearly 94,000 lives. When we talk about what is happening with Moderna and as you write, what does come next?
1: Uh, yeah, well, so look, um, just speaking narrowly about vaccines now um, in, in terms of Moderna. So Moderna, the, the phase one trial that, that we spoke about before, the sort of first in person trial, that's still ongoing. Um, they're going to start uh, what's called a phase two trial relatively soon. We don't have a date. Phase two trial is slightly larger, probably hundreds of people. Um, and in, in the phase two trial, they're going to be looking at safety and they'll be looking at efficacy, so the extent to which it works. And they'll be gearing up for the Phase three trial, which is even more people, tens of thousands of people, I believe, maybe thousands, and that's going to start in July. Um, And if if the data is positive from all of those, they have said in the past that they would would seek emergency use authorization in the fall. Now, emergency use authorization means the FDA says there is an emergency, and so we're going to allow you to... We're allow people to take this vaccine or this drug, um, even though we have not approved it. We haven't been through the whole process, but, but given the emergency, we're gonna let it through for now. We've seen a number of emergency use authorizations so far from the FDA for coronavirus tests. Um there there have been a lot that kind of given this temporary stamp to. Um and there's an idea that they might be willing to give this temporary stamp to um to vaccines as well. Uh so so If all that happens and it is available in the fall, there wouldn't be that many doses, millions of doses. Um, And uh, the company has suggested those would probably, um, although this would probably be the FDA's decision, they would likely go to healthcare workers um, and uh, potentially high-risk individuals. Um, And the company seeks to sort of, over the following year, to, to exponentially ramp up production. Now, as I've alluded to, There are a number of other vaccine programs we're tracking. Um, uh, There's there's one from a company called uh, Johnson & Johnson. They're working on another sort of very cutting-edge technique, um, and they're also moving forward. There's a couple of – we did did a a large feature in Barron's over the weekend, and we kind of split the vaccine programs into two categories. There's sort of the the, the hares, as in um, uh, the tortoise and the hare, the kind of very quick programs. Seeking to have be ready for experimental use, uh, experimental, I'm sorry, emergency author- authorization uh, end of this year, very early next year. These are all techniques, they, they use uh, uh, drug development techniques and, and vaccine modalities that scientists think work and the companies think work, but they have never been approved by the FDA. So incredible speed, but, but some additional risk. And then we have the, the hare, I'm sorry, the tortoise, so the, the giant turtle. Uh, which is this, this big program from two of the largest vaccine companies in the world, uh, Sanofi and, and GlaxoSmithKline, that are working together is, is, in terms of um, the sort of scientific risk is less because uh, Sanofi has sort of proven out that technology in a way that Moderna and Johnson & Johnson and Inovio and some of these other quicker companies um, have not quite proven out yet. Um, so that's kind of how the vaccine development could work over the next nine months. You know, if if all goes well,
0: talk to us about what happens in the lab. What are these scientists? How do you? It sounds like a dumb question, but I got to think people wonder when you're looking for a vaccine and you're trying to fight any given illness, where do you start? What do you know?
1: Yeah, it's not a dumb question at all. It's a great question. And and, um, I should say, I'm not a scientist or a biologist and uh, (laughs) I have very little training in this. So I. Do my best. I I do my best to explain it in a simple way. But the fact is, this is all a little bit challenging for me to understand as well. Um, but uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to make a vaccine. I think what we think of, or what I had always thought of, um, is you sort of take a virus and you kind of alter it in some way so it's not dangerous. You either kill it or um, you know uh, um, adjust it a little bit, and then you you know inject it, and then the body generates an immune response, right? Um, We all actually get vaccines like that all the time, but people don't really like to make vaccines like that anymore for all sorts of safety reasons. And if you're going to make it, it takes um, an enormous amount of safety checking because, you know, the virus, you just need to make sure you really killed that virus correctly or you amended it correctly. Um, So for coronavirus, because companies want to move quickly, most of the large drug makers are not working on that kind of very traditional vaccine. There's a bunch of other newer approaches. Um, some of them are very well understood and involve taking little sort of bits of the va- of, of the virus, like, um, you know, like a couple of proteins from the virus and using that to, uh, to generate the immune response. And then there's more sort of uh, advanced and, and, and very sort of fascinating to think about techniques that basically involves getting your body to make those proteins so they'll you know there's there's one approach it's called um they use these little uh viral vectors these adenoviruses basically a cold virus they make that cold virus unable to um uh make you sick and then they they put inside the cold virus dna from the SARS from the coronavirus <laughs> Um, and the cold virus goes into your body, which is very good at doing, and it gets into your cells, which is very good at doing. But whereas a normal cold virus would then, you know, put your, put its, you know, um, cold virus DNA into your cells, uh, this one puts a little bit of coronavirus DNA into your cells, and then your body creates um, the coronavirus proteins, you know, in, inside your own body and then generates that immune response. I, it, it's all like a little bit hard to. Track for me, <laughs> but uh, but that is that's the best way to understand it, I think. Um, but it, it's sort of amazing what they're able to do, and, and I do think that the sort of science of vaccines has has you know accelerated dramatically in in the past decade or so, and that's actually very good news for the world right now because we have all these newer approaches that we can try in the hopes of finding something that can work very quickly.
0: Josh, there's a reason why we have scientists and biologists who do all of this amazing work, and people like you and me just ask questions so that we can explain it in the most basic of levels to people who are like, yeah, I just want to be able to go back to work or go to the grocery store and not worry about about getting sick. So in your reporting... And it's got to be a very exciting time for you to be on this kind of a beat. Uh, What are your plans going forward? What do you think you'll be looking to tell us about next in Barron's?
1: Um, Yeah, it's a great question. Look, I think that the vaccine story right now, you know, Barron's is very focused on investors and and the market, and the the market seems to be tracking this incredibly closely and sort of overreacting, in in, in a sense, uh, to, to vaccine news. Um, it, it's really interesting, you know, what I haven't mentioned yet is that many of the companies, not um, Moderna, but, but some of the larger drug companies, have said they won't seek a profit um, during the course of, of the pandemic on their COVID vaccines. Um, so, in fact, it, in many cases, uh, vaccine news is not so material to the stocks. And you, you see the stocks moving dramatically, I think, because people are, you know, really looking for something hopeful here. Um so we're going to keep following the vaccine story. I think that, you know, the therapeutic story, the drug story, people looking for not vaccines, but treatments for, for coronavirus is really important, too. And there, there are some of those some of those treatments seem like they might come you know sooner than vaccines. And that would be like an important way to, to blunt the course of the pandemic um, while we are trying to work towards the vaccine to end it. So those are really important. And, and then a piece of the story that we don't want to lose amid the focus on, on vaccines.
0: Josh, if people want to read your reporting and follow you on social media and get additional updates so that we can be as knowledgeable as you are in your, your research and reporting, how do we do that?
1: Yeah, so my my colleagues and I write at barons.com, B-A-R-O-N-S.com. And, and you'll find, you know, work there by me on, on this and, and also by colleagues who write on this as well. So Good to catch them too, um, and I, I tweeted uh, Josh, making cases, all one word. Um, but uh, not, I'm not always only on vaccines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but right now, you are, and something else you said that just uh, raised one last question I wanted to ask you, and you did mention it, and I, I had it in my notes that the companies are saying that they will not seek to make a profit off of the vaccine once we have something that works. So, does that mean that when it is ready for? average people to take it uh the insurance cost and whatnot will not be astronomical that it will just be available generally to the public because of the genuine human health concern that exists
1: uh you know i think it's sort of early to make any firm projections on this but but i have seen you know analysts uh, bank analysts who write on this guessing guessing and this is a guess that the price would be something like 10 to thirty dollars I, I vaccines in general are not particularly expensive. And I, I think in, during the pandemic, this vaccine will like and it would be uh, shocking to me if insurance companies didn't cover it fully.
0: Again, Josh nathan Cases. I appreciate your being on the program with us today. Josh is the health reporter for Barron's. His most recent story in the magazine, Moderna's coronavirus vaccine appears to work in early trials. What comes next? We will stay tuned. Josh, thanks for your time today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Enjoyed it.
0: Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me, 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condis Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another Perspective.